Welcome to the Badger Politic. I'm Scott Stearns. Good evening. It's Paul Sickle. So, Paul, it is episode 56. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, California, big primaries tonight. Mm-hmm. So, a number of them were potential pickups for Democrats come fall. However, as has been well reported, California has this. It's called euphemistically <laughs> the jungle primary. Right. And I. Just kind of knowing how it's, how it's worked elsewhere, it's probably good intentions, I mm-hmm. guess. But when you have a situation where you have a couple of Republicans running and several Democrats running, it puts a disadvantage against the Democrats having a nominee because if they split all their votes, well, the Republicans this is also could be the, the top two vote getters. Uh, potentially, though, in the California Senate race and the California uh, governor's race going the other way. Where right. the Democrats may actually have uh, both the top two folk getters. Right now it doesn't well, look like it, but... But that's more indicative, I think, of where California is at, because you have statewide, California is obviously right. you know, probably one of the, the least supportive t- uh, states of, uh, D- of Donald J. Trump currently. Right. So, I mean, that makes sense that you would have a lot more so support this was the a reform level. move that was passed in 2010, and it was intended to... Encourage like more moderate candidates, I guess. And the idea was to have an open primary where the top two vote getters advance the general election, mm. regardless of party. But effectively, isn't it's it's not that much better, I think, than what they have in places like Louisiana, where you just you just stick everybody in a primary, then you mm-hmm. for the top two, and then you have a general election. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I just, it's kind of well, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, I just. So we're looking at, um, I think, three seats right now that look like they could still go where the Democrats have winning winnable seats mm-hmm. that are currently held by Republicans. There are some that are up in the air. These are seats the Democrats could pick up, but there's a chance that tonight Republicans will finish in the top two because there's so many Democrats running, just yeah. like the Wisconsin governor's race. Right. And the, the two Democrats... The, the multiple Democrats will cancel each other's votes out, and two Republicans could finish at the top. Right. And those are right now the 10th district, um, which is uh, Jeff Denham's district. Yep. And the 48th district, which is uh, Tanner Rohrbacher's district. Tanner Rohrbacher. Those are the two that are on the watch list. He's a big, uh, he's a big Trump guy. Yeah, and if you look at the 49th, it appears to be like that as well, which was... Which so the, 40, is, the 49th is uh, Daryl Issa's... Daryl uh, Former district, he's actually retiring this year, probably because he doesn't think he has a chance to win. Right, right. But uh, so, that's that's looking for like a solid uh, Democratic versus Republican. Uh, that's what situation. that's what it's being re- record, reported as. And so there are several other seats where this was a possibility as well, or that that are Democratic pickup opportunity, so to speak. Mm-hmm. These are seats that voted for Republicans in Congress, but had voted for Hillary in the right. last election. Right, so, um, so they, they look like potential pickups right. come, come fall. Right, and in f- five of them, if we count the 49th, it looks like we'll have at least one Democrat in the final election. Yeah. So, on in November. So, so I mean, if... It, it, the Democrats it, won't be locked out of five of them. They could be locked yeah. out of up to two of them. Right. Yeah, you, well, you've got Denham's d- district, and then you look at Duncan Hunter's district, uh, which is 50, but I don't know that, that that's competitive. Duncan Hunter's um, went to Trump, so that's... Yeah. 
That's Laura, it. I think it's pretty close. Rohrbacher's district. Uh, Ed Royce, who's another one who's retiring. He's in the 39th district. Um, that one, I think, is up in the air in terms of whether or not the Dems have a shot at that one. Yeah, that, that was one, though, that, that Hillary did carry, I believe. Yep. Okay, District 48. A uh, little update came in, supposedly. No, it doesn't look any different than what I, um, I've seen before. Um, you yep. got Rohrbacher with 30%. The Democrat Kirsted has 19%. The Republican is in third place with 18%. So Baugh has 18%. So yeah, Baugh could come over poll Kirsted and uh, lock the Democrats out of the 48th still. Yeah, and that would be Um, unfortunate. Ruda is uh, also another Democrat running as 14%, and then there's a further Democrat with only 5% mm. in there. So, yeah, if you put the Democrats together, they have roughly the same number of votes as the, the Republicans do at the minute. Yeah. Um, but that said, these seats tend to have Democrats voting much later, and so I think it's more than likely... The question is if Ruda would... Keep um, keep building, building yeah. at the expense of uh, the the number two Kirsted, sure, uh, Democrat. So, I think that right now you have what looks like about uh, fifty Republicans, uh, the major candidates anyway. Republicans are polling forty eight percent of it, and the Democrats only thirty eight percent, which means that that the rest of it should skew toward the Dems the rest of the way. Yeah, well, we'll hope, we hope so. Um, there were a number of other ones, uh, 21st District, 25th District, and then I think the 45th where we said that it was uh, it looks pretty solid, but that it will be uh, a D versus an R come, uh, come fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, also uh, McClintock's District, which is the 4th District, that will also be a um, Democrat versus Republican in, uh, in fall. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I just, it seems like that's, that whole approach to having an election, yeah. I just think they should, they need to readdress that because it, it, you had, you had obviously you know, a handful more Democrats running in some of these districts than Republicans. But hypothetically, you could have had a situation where it was like two Republicans running and 20 Democrats. And right. there, in, in that case, it would, it would just, the Democrats would split their vote. And Republicans would would carry carry the day. It appears possible, if not likely, that the Republicans will be locked out of the U.S. Senate race again against uh, Feinstein. Feinstein, Diane um, Feinstein, who's the incumbent. Kevin DeLeon is in the lead for second place. And you have uh, for the who's governor, a, who's a more progressive Democrat. Okay, twenty percent in. In the governor's race, you've got uh, Gavin Newsom. It was uh, way ahead. Way, yeah, way ahead. And then um, I, who's in second place? Um, mayor of uh, Los Angeles, Anthony uh, Villaraigosa, former mayor of Los mm-hmm. Angeles, mm-hmm. and to, uh, Anthony Villaraigosa. And so he's uh, trying to angle up. He's actually now in fourth place, but they once again the Democratic areas are reporting very late. So. Antonio Villaraigosa. So there's a quite a pretty good chance that he would have to overcome a lot yeah. to uh, get second place. The Republican has 26% of the vote. Sure. But there may still be a pretty good chance of that happening just because I think the L.A. County totals thus far are very low. Um, yeah. Whereas the Republican areas tend to be a little higher reporting. Um, 
So I'm, I'm not sure about that. When I looked, I just clicked on L.A. County, and what is in looks like not very good for Via Ragosa. So it doesn't. It'd be hard to picture uh, picture him making up that much ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does appear that the uh, U.S. Senate race may very well be between a race between two Democrats. Um, in which case, I'd probably be for Daily All. Yeah, and uh, over Feinstein in the general. Uh, we'll, talk, well, we'll talk about Lieutenant that. Lieutenant Governor. Well, no, I mean, it's just, he's a more progressive Democrat. Uh, I, I've never been a big Diane Feinstein fan. Um, no. no, I mean, yeah, I'm more progressive, so I, I would be for that, actually. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a one on one. The Lieutenant Governor race in California looks like it's going to be between two Democrats as well. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, because they do treat so uh, for for Wisconsin listeners, they do they they do treat it the same as they do here, where you actually do run as lieutenant governor. It's not like your your governor gets to a point. Meanwhile, are there any surprises elsewhere to, in today's primaries? Well, I mean, th- th- so there's a number of there's a number of states that are voting today. There's eight states total that are holding primaries: uh, Alabama, California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. One thing I, I just I thought it was noteworthy, so I wrote it down. Um, in Iowa's third house district, uh, you had three Democrats that were vying for the seat there. And I thought what was notable was that you had, um, this is David Young's district. He's the incumbent Republican holding the seat. Mm-hmm. And then you had... Uh, Cindy Axney, who's uh, finishing, it looks like she's got it locked up with 58% of the vote. Eddie Morrow, 26.5%. Finishing third in that race was uh, Pete D'Alessandro. Now, okay. I, I, did, I, just, I read this earlier tonight, and it just it stuck out to me. So Pete D'Alessandro was actually uh, an, a campaign aide to Bernie Sanders, ran the, ran the campaign in Iowa and some other states, from what I'm reading, and Bernie actually cut an ad for him, made appearances for him. Hmm. Pete D'Alessandro finished with 15.6% of the vote, a distant third place. That's bad. So I don't know what that says. I mean, it's maybe more reflective of what Iowa politics currently look like, mm-hmm. but I just I, I found it noteworthy. You know, For all the buzz that people say that the party needs to be more reflective of you know, with the Bernie. Bernie Sanders wing, well, maybe some places, maybe not, maybe not everywhere. Yeah, well, also this candidate for uh, governor, who I would have liked to have seen win myself. Mm-hmm. This was in Iowa. 98% uh, reporting, uh, Kathy Klassen, who I was hoping to see win. She only got 21%. Fred Hubble um, has um, 56%. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, yeah, that's pretty unfortunate for, uh, you know, a real progressive on that one, too. Right. And I, like I said, I mean, this could just be an Iowa thing, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of where the state is politically right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm, it's just the idea that, you know, the Bernie Sanders way of doing things or that approach to politics, the fact that or the idea that it will work everywhere. I think it's there, there are some cases uh, tonight that contradict that in dramatic fashion right right uh trying to see how many um votes cast total there appear mm-hmm. to be it looks like about one hundred eighty thousand 
maybe almost 200,000 Democratic votes cast. Okay. And then there doesn't appear to be any any results because it was uncontested on the Republican right, side. Right, because uh, Kim Reynolds is the uh, incumbent. Right, and so. same with the you know with these House seats too for the most right, part. Right, right. Yeah, there in the, in the race I mentioned for the third district, there is no there's no vote totals reported for. Uh, for right. the Republican because they're, they're and, not contested. And the Steve King seat, uh, with 94% reporting, Steve King, who's really just this awful is a nut, right wing nut job. Yeah. Um, he has, um, the, the Republicans do have, unfortunately, a turnout advantage 37,000 to 28,000. So that, that uh, unfortunately, does not vote particularly well for us. Right. Um, right. <laughs> So I, I don't know if that's an indicator um, well, elsewhere. I do believe that you're going to see um, generally there were some tweets about uh, Democratic turnout being much higher than mm-hmm. Republican turnout in California, even relative to the state's partisan lean. Okay. So that's encouraging. So that would indicate at least a blue wave in a blue state, if nothing else. Sure. But I'm not sure what it indicates in Iowa. Yeah. Um, in, in Alabama, I understand that a woman who refused to endorse Trump last year after he got caught saying his remarks mm-hmm. on Access Hollywood, she um, is now being forced into a, a runoff. Yeah, I did see that. So, so that's, that's that's interesting. It was like 39 to 29%, I yeah, think, is what I read. A Republican runoff. So yeah. she has to, she now has to face a Democratic opponent who, or a, a former Democrat, who switched parties. <laughs> and right. Bobby Bright, who I remember celebrating his victory several years ago when he was a Democrat. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, let's see here how we're looking in Alabama. I'm just curious what the overall uh, turnout is like. Well, there's not a lot of Oh, here we go. Um, in Alabama, there are... Not, I mean, after the Roy Moore and... Uh, well, who's the guy we like? Doug Jones, who won. Yeah. After that, I'm, I'm thinking anything's possible, right, in yeah. Alabama? Well, sure. Um, so, there do appear to be about just under 300,000 Democratic votes that were cast in the primary for governor. And yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, get ready for this one. Uh-huh. Nearly 600,000 casts for the Republican side. Oh. So the blue wave may not be... Well, we've been seeing the polling starting to indicate that the blue wave is ebbing, and it appears to be so. I posted something in 538 about mm-hmm. the magic of Trump. Did you read that? Yeah. And that brings us kind of back to Wisconsin. A little bit. I, I do want to touch on one more yeah. thing related to California primary, just because I think it's notable, and, I, and then I think, yeah, we can we can use it as kind of a bouncing off point to you know, what's going on here. Uh, it's reported today that in uh, in L.A. County, mm-hmm. so liberal Los Angeles County, there was a printing error, mm-hmm. quote unquote, printing error that kept 118,522 people off the voter rolls today. So they were forced, if they did vote, which in some cases mm-hmm. I'm sure they didn't, they were forced to have provisional ballots. So, I mean, that's that's the, that's the kind of stuff there's just no excuse for. Like three, and I believe it was 3% of all eligible voters. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that, that, that's Henry ridiculous. Winkler was one of them. Are you serious? Yes. I, didn't, I did not read that. Yeah. 
kidding me. He tweeted about it. Oh my god, the bronze fonts. Yeah. So he, he should have been like taking a picture of the bronze with them and said, "This is me." You know. So having said that, uh, there was a uh, as you were going to touch on the uh, there was the Wisconsin Democratic Party that had their convention this yeah. past weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday. Well, so there's some uh, there's there's some news out of that. Yes, yes, there is. And I posted on um, our Facebook page, you mm-hmm. know, a little comment about how Trump's, as crazy as he is, he just continues to inspire loyalty. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, I feel like it's getting worse uh, right now. I mean, we've seen his approval ratings uh, recover. We've seen his... He's still not ahead, but, I mean, we've seen his... But it's... It's a consequence. We've seen this uh, blue wave really diminish in terms of. It, isn't it just a consequence of the longer he's in office, the, like the more normal, quote unquote, it feels to people because people just kind of settle into. Kind of yeah, the new nothing thing. is normal about him. No, there absolutely isn't, as we, as is demonstrated every day. However, it's just you kind of you know people wake up, they get their kids off to school, they go to work, they do their thing, and in the meantime, there's all this crazy going on. In D.C. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it, it's it's all happening in the background for a lot of people. Well, and I'm not uh, saying, I mean, I'm in the background, we're basically it, sliding into... Um, I mean, he's been in office really, for 500, 500 some we're days. We're sliding into a very chilling place. It is. For, it's, it's, for democracy. It's, it's worrisome. It's, it's, it, it raises the stakes, in my mind, for what's happening this fall. Here's which the quote. Why, which is why the, right. the primaries we just right. talked about Here, are critical. Here's the quote. The Tim Miller, a Republican and former spokesman for Jeb Bush, nailed that nothing is abnormal and everything is abnormal phenomenon in a tweet about a piece he wrote for Crooked Media. Take Romney's 47% gaffe, or frankly any major political gaffe in history, and dump it into Trump's Nashville speech verbatim. I, didn't, I don't even remember which one that was. And he writes, that remark wouldn't have even made it into the newspaper. Yeah. I mean, the forty-seven percent gap, which basically get re- Obama reelected. Well, it it, it sidelined uh, Romney's campaign and, and obviously forced him to spend a lot of time talking it about it, and defending of, it. Yeah, it was one of the most crucial parts of that. Re-election. It was big. It was big. You know? I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that Obama wouldn't have been reelected, but it, it, it definitely was very close, and it was it probably uh, been closer. It was already pretty close as it was, yeah. and it was getting closer because Obama had some pretty poor debate performances, or at least one very poor one. Right. And, you know, and the economy still hadn't really recovered yet by then. There were green shoots, for sure. Yeah. Um, and there were some minor improvements from the Affordable Care Act. I mean, the improvements where we've seen, like, now where massive numbers of people are now insured where they weren't before. Yeah. And medical bankruptcies have dropped dramatically. Those kind of improvements had yet to show themselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was a tough re-election. It really was. And the 47% gaffe helped a lot. But I, yeah, that's the point. It wouldn't, it wouldn't matter right now if Trump said something like that. Yeah. You know. And so I think we have to... Be aware that it, with Trump, it's about it's got to be about issues. It's got to be about mounting an insurmountable lead that he can't topple either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is, do we have somebody who can win? Well, we don't need to win all seventy-two counties, but we've got some Democrats that were in the straw poll. Yep. So and, the, uh, the the straw poll it was it was interesting. I think I, I think it was actually kind of reflective of. 
what we've been talking about. I don't think we've been too far off in terms of who's who are the names to watch and mm-hmm. who are who are the ones to really. So it was a weekend of Kelda Royce for sure. She, so she was Roy's, a big winner of yeah. it all. She she, she won the straw poll handily. Yeah, uh, second place was Malin Mitchell with twelve. Yep. Uh, he was just barely above uh, Tony Evers, who I believe was also at 12 if you're mm-hmm. doing your rounding. And then um, Dana Wax and Andy Gronick, I believe, mm-hmm. each tied at 11%. Then bringing up the second part of it was, uh, I believe, McCabe and Vinehout each had about 10%. Uh, Flynn had about... Nine uh, percent. Have I forgotten anyone yet? So I've got. I've actually got the the raw vote totals here. Yeah. Well, so there go, was, go for it. So the straw poll of uh, seven hundred eighty nine delegates that uh, the cast ballots. Right. So Kelly Roy's had one hundred eighty four votes. Uh, Mila Mitchell had ninety three. Evers ninety one. Gronick eighty nine. Dana Walks eighty nine. Uh, Kathleen Vinehout eighty three. Uh, Mike McCabe, 81. Matt Flynn, former uh, state chair, was uh, 71. And uh, Kenosha, Kenosha attorney Josh Pay was 7. And rounding out the bottom, Paul Soglin. Madison Mayor Paul Soglin with a grand total of 1. 1 vote. Sorry, it wasn't worth your drum roll. <laughs> yeah, it was that uninspiring. <laughs> I mean, I, a giant I know we've talked about not taking the guy seriously, but I didn't realize he was only going to get one vote. That he doesn't take his own campaign seriously. Well, it, right. I mean, so he went there, he had himself, and he had an aide with him. Yeah. So that's two votes right there. So how do we end up with one vote, Paul? Well, I, know, I say we, like, I, like as if I'm on this campaign. Right. I, I don't know. Well, M- Melissa Mulliken, his campaign director, um, said that they considered it an insignificant poll, so they didn't participate. Uh-huh. So, well, that's, nice. that's, an easy, that's an easy thing to say when, uh, when you know you're probably going to lose handily. I guess that gives you an excuse. Like, we abstained because we didn't want to participate in this farce, mm-hmm. even though they knew darn well of it. Maybe they would have only gotten as many votes as, as, as Mr. Paid. Right. So he had no organization there. Um, yeah. Calda did have organization there. Uh, she had a lot of t-shirts. Nobody could find the Union Bug on her t-shirts, which was a little insulting at a Democratic convention. Okay. She had a lot of t-shirts out. You know, real, gave a great speech. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was really her, her event. Yeah. It was uh, time to shine. That said, obviously she had a big advantage being one of two women running, right? And what we think is a year woman, yeah. Especially in a Democratic Party that would be more sensitive uh, and appropriately so, right? Sure. To try to have female candidates, absolutely. So that was certainly a benefit there that her vote wouldn't be split as many ways as, as one of the male candidates. Yeah. Um, that said, you know she still won it fair and square. Had almost twice as many as her nearest competition, which was Malin Mitchell. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, Evers obviously is, you know, he's, he's had the name to this well, point. Well, I think so. he's one of the bigger losers of the event. Yeah. He had well, a the 30% that he, in the poll, in right. the, uh, the actual polls. Well, and he's been, then he's been boasting that. He's been talking about, well, I'm the front runner, right. you know, I'm the one, I'm the one that, uh, is, is one yeah, statewide. Yeah, actually shut up and actually, <laughs> like, have the humility to go to forums and things like that. Yeah. Instead of, 
you know, instead of cussing out uh, Mike Crute and yeah. now even he, he he used a bad word apparently and Walker called him out on it too. And oh yeah, he said you know, goddamn something or other. Right, right, right. That so was little... the goddamn policies of Scott Walker right, or something right, like that. Right, paraphrasing. Like I mean, I mean, you know, Evers has a little bit of. He's coming off as arrogant, and I don't think yeah. it's going to help him in a primary. Right, he's he's too arrogant. Yeah. And, and so, he, and, he, and he might be, he might be risking some backlash against you know the good, the goodwill of the voters who put him where he is today. Yeah, uh, when it comes to uh, to running uh, for superintendent next time, if that's the job he still is going to hold, being ahead and being the front runner, so to speak, and self declared front runner, and then all of a sudden getting finishing third place with about twelve yeah, percent. That's not that's the headline bad. you want, right? I think obviously it was really bad for Sogland. Oh um, yeah, I, well I think it just. You know, it wasn't really good for anybody but Kelda, I would say. I would say for Malin uh, Mitchell, it was it was an acceptable result because you came out ahead of the rest of those um, Particularly middle Evers. of the pack people. Yep. And he, he, he wasn't polling particularly well. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in the mid-single digits, according to most studies, up until now. Sure. So the fact that he actually treaded water or even maybe gained a little bit of ground yeah. would be a good sign for him. It was probably a bad sign for Flynn, who enjoyed high name recognition yeah. and had cracked double digits in some polls for him to come third at last. Yeah. And I also think it was a bad sign for Weinhaupt. Well, I think um, Meinhout and McCabe. I mean, McCabe is supposed to McCabe be, you know, the, the, big the, the name, most right. reformed candidate and everything, and he's finishing in the middle of the pack. Mm. I just, you know, for somebody like that, that's going to kind of be the, the quote-unquote maverick of the bunch. I mean, that's not that's that's not looking good for you. So Wax and Gronick, I would say, probably held their own. If, any, if anything, Gronick might have been the other one, mm-hmm. along with, say, Mitchell, who could say that he actually had a little bit of upward momentum. Yeah. Kind of coming out of nowhere to place fairly high in the poll. Both Mitchell and Gronick had really nice uh, hospitality suites at the okay. Democratic Convention. Yeah. Uh, but by that, I mean, I mean other people had hospitality suites, too. Some yeah. people had lines out the door. Yeah. Gronick didn't quite have a line out the door, but he had a mostly full room for at points, it looked like. Did he just Mitchell, have the best beer? Well, Mitchell must have had some better beer because <laughs> his, his place was hard to get into. Oh, okay. So, I mean, he had a lot of enthusiasm there. Uh, now, I, if you can translate that into the field, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing Mitchell probably has going for him is that uh, this is a Democratic convention. Yeah. So, it's people who have the time to go up to, in the middle of Oshkosh. Yeah, on a Friday know. afternoon. Right. Guess what? The proportion of black participants was much lower than their proportion of the state electorate. Yeah. If Mitchell is able to appeal, you know, in large numbers to uh, African-American voters as an African-American candidate himself, and, yeah. um, in the 2016 primary uh, between Hillary and Bernie, it was about 10% of participants were African-American. Um, and looking back at some recent exit polling in Wisconsin, yeah, typically Democratic primaries, the, the electorate will tend to be close to 10% African-American. Sure. So this this so this so that should bode well for Mitch for, for Mila Mitchell in terms of uh, uh, provided uh, kind of, he really kind of connects to them. Yeah. You know? and, and right. I think he has some real con- uh, competition from the other Milwaukee-based candidates, Gronick uh, and, and yeah. well, but because Mitchell isn't Milwaukee-based, yeah, which is actually one of his strengths, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, uh, 
is that he, he grew up in Walworth County, went to the same high school as Scott Walker, yeah, in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, um, in a weird way, he as a Madison person might get a little bit of a pass, even though he lives in Madison, right? He's right. more working class. And he started out, you know, he has a hard job at times, a very dangerous job. Um, yeah, as a firefighter. I think that Soglin and, and uh, Roy's, unfortunately for them, and, and Evers to a lesser extent, they, they don't look like they've had hard jobs. Wow, well, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and they're mad, these are Madison-based candidates. They, yeah, they may they they may be they more like prone to criticism when it talks when people talk about being in that bubble, that Dane County bubble. They strike me as like a bad day for them is not getting. Getting the farmers market on time and, and getting the heirloom tomatoes. So I'll just throw it out there. I mean, I mean, not to say that, we, not to say that they haven't had bad days, right? But, but do we think you know based on based on the straw poll and the other the other you know information we have? Do we think it's a two person race at this point? Is, is it no. is it really Kelda Malin or is there a chance? No, I, I think I think you, we're, we're we're still away. At, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't write Evers off, but is it or, or is it a three person race? Does anybody else have really a shot to kind of come into that uh, top? Well, tier? actually, I was thinking about Gronick. Yeah, um, no, I think Gronick showed upward momentum with okay. his performances in the poll. I also think that Gronick may face a little bit of a problem. So will Locks, right? Right now that they may not, he may, those two candidates may not have submitted enough signatures. Yeah, there's, some, the there's some questions around the signatures, for well, sure. I mean, then again, some of this is just Republican. Well, we'll see. But we'll I mean, see. There's, there's, that'll, that'll play itself out. Right. We'll, see what, we'll see what the facts are. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, but it, there's, it, there's definitely... Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely noteworthy. I think, I think it's that fair Keller, to say Vinehout's probably done or not yeah, going to go anywhere. I think I think Vinehout and well, I, I would say you know Soglin and uh, Paid for sure, but uh, Vinehout, I would say Flynn's probably in trouble. Yeah, on the cusp of being done, yeah. if not done. I mean, I mean, I just I don't. That see would it. be another benefit to Mitchell. Would be Flynn losing Vinehout would obviously benefit Kelda. Yes. Losing Flynn and Gronick would probably benefit Mitchell because you're taking mm-hmm. away the Milwaukee voters. Competition think, within the city. Um, and I just think that given Obama's success in the Milwaukee area, both with uh, African-American and white voters, yeah, um, there's a chance that a lot of people might see that that's a really good opportunity there to, to have a chance to really drive up turnout here in, the, in November. So there's a chance he would benefit there. Well, there'll be more to come on that. Um, yeah, I really we'll see what they come down got, like honestly don't feel comfortable saying it's a two, three, four, even five person race yet. Because we have to remember this wasn't exactly a scientific poll. No. It was a self selected poll. The one scientific poll that Marquette did had Calder at zero percent. So right. I, mean, I mean the straw the, the, was at the, twelve the, or something. The straw poll is always just a popularity contest. Right. It's there not. Is, it's not scientific. It's not representative of the state in any way. There is but another it, but, straw but it, poll, but it, but it does. But it does allow the people that come out on the on on the losing end. It kind of disallows them to have any kind of momentum. Obviously, oh, Kel- yeah, Kelda Kelda gets a lot of press. Malin's getting some press. It's it no, helps. It, it helps. Was really, them. primarily helped Kelda. More, oh, it, more than any. It didn't really help anybody else. No, it shows. But it would have been very bad for Malin if he would have finished in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah, the fact that he finished in the top two, right? Is, is and there's another one ahead of Evers. Wisconsin's choice is uh, some, uh, which is a coalition of our Wisconsin Revolution, so the Bernie Group, and then the mm-hmm. Working Families Party. They are 
offering an online straw poll through Thursday. So if you go to Wisconsin's Choice, you can rank your top four candidates. And I believe that will have a little bit wider uh, participation. The thing is, again, it's self-selection. So it's not exactly scientific, but at least it won't have the thing where you have to have been in Oshkosh and paid your right. dues to well, yeah. uh, paid your fee for the Democratic Party. It'll be a little more open. It'll be a little bit more open, but yeah. it'll still be self-selecting. So um, that 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 poll probably is is just a narrowing down to the final four. And um, I do think that whoever makes it in their final four, we can say the race is probably down to them. Well, we'll, we'll be revisiting it in the coming weeks. So um, as I was going to mention, uh, the Supreme Court is... Putting a number of decisions down, they had the uh, the Baker, the the cake <laughs> Baker case oh, the other yeah. day. Apparently, they don't so, want to set precedent there. They just no, it was very very limited uh, judgment that they put down there. But well, we're going to have in the coming days uh, a case uh, decided around gerrymandering that is going to impact redistricting here in Wisconsin. So um, we'll be talking about that whenever that comes down. But uh, that could have big don't get Im- your implication. Hopes up. No, we don't know. I mean, it could be just as narrow, if not narrower, than the case you just decided. So we, we don't know, but uh, it's, it's it's it'll have an impact on neither neither case. So we'll we'll uh, we'll be talking about it when that comes down. Well, with that, on that note, forward everybody. We'll talk to you next time.